Welcome, players, to the Triple Play Fantasy Baseball Show. This is the baseball show that sings, Hey, girl, what you doing? Hey, girl, where you going? Who's that guy? Who's that guy? It's Demendi. Welcome you back to another new episode. Joined by a man of many voices, Art Tornabeni, a.k.a. Little Cheesecake, the LC. LC, what's up, man? Hey, David. How you doing? Oh, that, oh, you just blew me away with that, man. I, you know, I'm, uh, I, I'm having, a, I'm, ha- I'm going through a rough one. I, I crap. I've been working from home for since March, and I have ruined now two computers with liquid spills. So I had to <laughs> rebuy another computer today, uh, and now I'm gonna have to restrict myself to only drinking things out of things that I can close. When I'm not drinking out of them, like 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 I'm giving it to my four year old because I don't want to buy another computer while I'm still working from home. Uh, but you know, these are you know, it's a small annoyance, but oh man, a definite annoyance. How you guys doing? When you texted us today in the group that you were like, guys, tonight might be a little interesting. I spilled coffee all over my computer and I have to get another one and I have to do a lot of work tonight. I was like, Oh my God. I was like, cheesecake <laughs> is going through some, some crazy stuff right now, but I'm going to say that you got a new computer because you were so committed to doing the pod tonight. You didn't want that to hold you back. The work is the secondary stuff, right? I, I'd have done it from my phone if I had to, just like the <laughs> doc at the wedding last week, you know? Ah, yes, I love that. And speaking of the doc, the man who can lick his own elbow is in the building. <laughs> What's going on? That's true. And, you know, I'll say this Thursday, I'm sober. I, uh, I'm not turn at a wedding, and I'm not going to sing in a high-pitched voice like you two. I'll be the mature one on this podcast. I, was just, I had seen so much New Girl recently because I just started it, so the, I wrote it in the script as I was watching brainwashed me i can't believe i'm related to you feelings mutual my friend (laughs) anyway we have a lot going on today on deck we have the 2020 season recap and questions and those questions there are a lot of them right now that we need answers to now that the 2020 mlb season is over we're gonna be looking at some of these questions that everybody is facing to affect them next season we are going to be doing that with carlos marcano who's joining the show tonight After we go to our bullpen for our question of the week, who's a player that hasn't made the Hall of Fame yet that deserves to be in the most? And our game of the week, coming in to shut the door to close the show out. But first up to bat is our news and notes. I love that new news drop. And if you didn't heard, the Dodgers won the World Series. Congratulations. I believe it was a 32-year drought. So um, all those Dodger fans out there, Happy you guys won one. I think most people were rooting for the Rays just because they were the small market team, but can't complain that the Dodgers won, I think. Result that most people were okay with. But I want to talk about a couple things that were within this series. And Cheesecake, I'll start with you for this first one. The whole Blake Snell incident that's taking over baseball Twitter and sports shows this morning. What were your thoughts on Blake Snell being pulled after five and two-thirds innings? Uh, I think when you're facing elimination – and you got your ace out there, uh, and he's dealing. You don't pull him. I think he had, had thrown seventy-two pitches. He, he, you know, he's not going to be starting again this season. You can go go a little longer. Uh, 
and as you saw, I mean, they put in a, you know, Nick Anderson, one of their great relief pitchers, and you know, he didn't, he wasn't pitching as well as as Snell was doing, and it and it came back and bit them, and it was a big big turning point in the game. And you just saw the competitiveness of Snell and not wanting to get taken out of the game. This is something that Cash has shown again and again. He did it to Snell in the last round or two rounds ago. I think he did it to him as well. And Snell was visibly displeased on the mound. I think it is an over-reliance on analytics for for Cash in that instance. And uh, like other people have pointed out, he let Glasnow go up to 112 pitches game one so it's not like it's not consistent for him either so it's i i don't know I, it, to me it was it just it just stunk that uh that uh that snell got taken out when he was pitching so well and it seemed like the only reason he got taken out was because some math geek thought it was a good idea i don't know yeah i know um he will point to that his Third time through the order, data was not very good. And I guess he thought when first hit was off of him, he's like, okay, it's third time through the order. They already hit off of him. Alarm's going off in my head with a one-point lead. I think it's the only thing people were defending him. But everything I've heard from sports talk shows to people that are 10 times smarter than me saying, hey, like everybody was calling it at the time that he was making the wrong decision. And I, the number that stuck out to me is that Mookie Betts was last among qualified hitters in slugging percentage against left-handed pitching. And Blake Snell's a lefty. And when I saw that, I said, how the heck could you have taken him out versus Mookie Betts? Like that, that to me was just mind boggling that Mookie Betts was last among qualified hitters versus against and slugging versus lefty. So um, a little, I think overthought it a little bit too much, but there was another big storyline in this game and it came out the next day. And that was Justin Turner testing positive for COVID and then he was on the field and Eric, I'll let you kind of break down what happened and your thoughts on this situation. Well, first of all, I think it's interesting that Justin Turner is the first player to have COVID in what, like two months. So I think that MLB has probably kept cases that have been positive on the low because they didn't want it to ruin the playoffs. Uh, So around, I think they were tested pregame and around the second inning uh, positive test came back for Justin Turner uh, was supposed to be pulled. Um, I don't think he was until like the sixth, seventh inning. And he was supposed to basically be in a quarantined room um, and watching from afar. And then, of course, when they won, he was out on the field. I mean, he, like a lot of people, didn't social distance. He felt asymptomatic. So in his mind, he was feeling that it's okay. And he was probably thinking, you know, I've been with the Dodgers with all the heartbreak that we've been through for the last five years, I'm one of the longest tenured guys. A lot of people called him the heart and soul of the offense. So he probably wanted to be out there, probably wasn't hoping that the story would break in the way that it did, kind of overshadows the Dodgers winning. But hopefully nobody else gets sick. So I I read a little bit more about it today, and he was told not to go out. Um, the Dodgers said to him, you know, you need to stay in this room. And he pretty much, lack for a better word, just pretty much said, F that. I'm going, you're not stopping me. He pretty much ignored what was told to him. And he went out there. And he went out there without a mask, which I thought was the the part. Okay, like I, I can understand the raw emotions of being like, I'm not going to be locked in a room by myself after my team won the World Series. And I've been here for five or six years. But 
why would you not even put a mask on? That's the only part that boggles me. Like, I know he shouldn't have been out there in the first place, but to not wear a mask too and be around every single Dodgers player, I mean, uh, this is messy. And I read today that there's a chance he's going to be suspended for some games next year because of this. So um, it's a very sticky situation. I think we kind of lucked out in the sense that Dodgers won last night because there would have been no game seven today if that had happened. And I would have been at least a few weeks back. And that would have been so weird to have one game left and hey, two weeks away. So I think, you know, the season luckily ended and this happened after the season's over. So, you know, there'll be repercussions from this, but very irresponsible. And again, you're a role model for a lot of kids out there. And they hear about this and they're like, if Justin Turner's doing it, then why can't I do it? And I think this is just a bad look for baseball. This is a bad look for the Dodgers. This is a bad look for Justin Turner. And hopefully something like this never happens again because he's so irresponsible for doing this. And I get your raw emotion, but this was this was completely irresponsible and just sad and, and sickening. Um, yeah, I, I don't want to keep ranting about it, but awful, David, this sounds like how you're going to discipline your future kid. <laughs> I mean, there's a dark side of me that that's out there for sure. Just you got to push the right buttons. But speaking of buttons, there's another button. It's a plug. Do you like what you're hearing so far? Make sure you never miss a show by clicking the subscribe button wherever you find your podcasts. Want to hear more triple play? Great news for you. We have a fantasy football show and a basketball show that you can check out available anywhere you get your podcasts. If you're enjoying the content, how about being as cool as Pete the Polar Bear and giving us a five-star rating and review? Check us out on Twitter and Instagram at TripPlayFantasy. Eric runs our social media and provides daily questions, really annoying, stupid gifts, and of course, our weekly episode drops. You know the feeling you get when a dog snuggles up with you and the world is perfect? Well, that's the yeah, feeling you'll get. Zeke did that with me and not him. What? Zeke did that with me and not you. Zeke does it with me all the time. I'm tired of him, so sometimes he can go to you. That's the feeling you'll get listening to this podcast, the feeling when Zeke snuggles with you. We want to keep you entertained, but it starts with you. Thank you, the loyal player, for your listens each and every week. And now, Carlos Marcano. Let me tell you today about Anchor, the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer, or you can record it on another device or platform and transfer it to Anchor. It will distribute your podcast for you through Apple Podcasts or Spotify, and you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast right in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. We welcome in a man that's the definition of cool, and that's K-E-W-L. He is a contributor at Prospectus365 and SixManRotation.com. This man is your local data geek, but also a big baseball fan. The creator of BaseballIsCool.com and my favorite Carlos on the web, the man with a drawn picture of Terry Steinbach as his Twitter background. We are talking tonight with Carlos Marcano. What's up, man? Hey, man. Thanks, thanks for that introduction. I think I am the only Carlos, you know, so that's why I'm the, the coolest. Right? <laughs> <laughs> hey, Way to call him Carlos. out, Carlos. Way to call him out. Hold on, no I love it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, whether it's the only, you're still the coolest one regardless, right? That's, <laughs> okay, that's fair. That's fair. <laughs> um, so I have to ask right off the bat, 
This right. is actually this is the first time obviously you get to see you know your face what you look like. How come yeah. the uh, picture of Terry Steinbach as your uh, TwitCon? I, I mean, I'm uh, I've been suffering with the A's for a long time now, oh. so mm-hmm. I mean. It, those were the days <laughs> yeah. when Terry played and um, just trying to keep the nostalgia a little bit around. So I don't know, maybe that makes things turn around sometime. I don't know. <laughs> well, now that Billy Bean is practically off the team, I, I think things might change. I don't know. No, I mean, again, it, it's, I understand it's, it's cool, but I, having you on now and being able to talk with you, it's, it's really cool because we've mm-hmm. interacted through Twitter and, uh, sure. you know, gotten to know how great of a guy you are and all the great stuff that you do. And so it's nice to actually be able to put a face with the name and be able to talk with you tonight. So again, thanks for really coming on. We really appreciate it. No, thanks to you guys. I mean, uh, I, I've been a fan uh, from a long time. Well, as we said before, this year counts for five normal years. So <laughs> it, it, it's a long time already. Uh, and I, I think you guys are doing a fantastic job with your, with your pod. I mean, look at you now. You're in fan tracks and you're going right to the top, man. Oh man, I really appreciate that. And, um, you have been, I, I've, you know, you've been very supportive of us and we really can't thank you enough for that. And again, one of the big reasons I wanted you on here and, uh, your baseball knowledge is top notch, man. So we're going to need you tonight. Uh, cause there's a, we're talking about tonight about the 2020 season recap. And there are a lot of questions that need answers right now that the 2020 MLB season is over. Congrats to the Los Angeles Dodgers. And now that the Dodgers are champions, we want to look at some questions that everybody's going to be facing this offseason to affect how they draft next year. Items like how much you're going to use 2020 data, how much rules changes might have impacted the game, the divisions and schedule format from this year. Maybe some players shine from that. Others maybe kind of shrunk to it. And then we also kind of will look at the playoff format and maybe some questions about that. So let's start right off the bat with the first one here. And Carlos, you know, I'm going to go to you because you're going to be the knowledgeable one on this show. And (laughs) that's the 2020 data. And I would just like to know from a pitching perspective, how much you're looking to rely on the 2020 data as opposed to 2019 data. Are you taking some of each kind of taking out 2020? What are your, what's your approach for pitchers for this? I mean, it's a nightmare, <laughs> to be honest. Uh, it's it's really tough to try to to do projections with this sample, uh, this such a small, my small sample season, um, just sixty games. Usually, when you are in into the first sixty games of the season, <laughs> there's so much that can happen uh, for the for any of of the players that you are not quite sure how things are going to end. So that's what we have this this year, and that's what we're going to have to work. I, I was actually trying to do some projections today because I want to, to put my pitchers board uh, by the end of week, and I just had an epiphany. I said, you know what? I'm going to use a, a one-year calendar. Uh, that, that's I'm, I'm going to start with that. I'm going to see how things uh, look around. And then I'm, I'm going to compare with the with this year's sample. So I, I pretty much came to that conclusion because 60, 60 games is not enough. And uh, for example, when you're you're projecting pitching, you need around forty seven innings pitch to for uh, baseball base on balls percent percentage to stabilize. So not enough pitchers reach that uh, amount of in and pitch this year. So we're going to get a lot of noise, you know, and, and it's going to be really hard to, to 
find the, the right things from that noise. Uh, so that, that's pretty much where I'm starting for pro, projecting this year. I'm going to use a year, a calendar year. I like that a lot. And, um, yeah. I've heard that, and I've also heard people saying they're taking their last 162 games as well, just taking, yeah. like, they're cutting it off. So I, I think those are two great approaches right there, and uh, yeah. I like that. And one of the things I'm looking at specifically, because I, I know you want to talk about pitching, and I looked into pitching just a little bit, kind of things that I, w- I thought might be important to look at as well, is just when you're, I'm encouraged if I see pitchers have their walk rates go down, strikeout rates go up, ground ball percentages down, fly ball rates uh, up. The looking for pitch mix changes. We uh, talked a few weeks ago about Corbin Burns. He basically flip flopped his entire pitch mix. He basically went from throwing thirty three percent fastballs to throwing less than five percent, and yeah. upping his cutter and and all his other uses and kind of look the effectiveness of that. So if I see a completely different approach, I definitely am going to be intrigued. Um, and then I'm also taking into account some teams played against weak divisions and opponents. So um, you know, there's going to be that Shane Bieber question of. Hey, he played against the AL Central and NL Central. I think it's like five teams, uh, the Pirates, and and uh, where I know it's one of the teams he played in the NL Central. And so you have to be like, hey, first time against the Yankees, gave up seven earned runs in the playoffs. Yeah. Is this yeah. something that I need to be more concerned about? Um, so I've kind of settled on, and I, I've heard this thrown around before as well, a 33% kind of use from 2020 and more of like a two-thirds use from 2019. So taking a little bit from 2020, but – you know, if I see those changes and then also applying it to what I saw them do in a full season in 2019, which I know is kind of what you were echoing as well with your thoughts. Yeah, definitely. And it's funny that you're mentioning uh, Burns because that, when we did the early months draft, that, that was my first uh, selection in pitching, by the way. And, and uh, I kind of, because people could say, I mean, he appeared of nowhere and this this season, but that that's not technically true. He was doing that mixing by the end uh, of last year, and now this this year he well he went full throttle with it. So that's the kind of kind of tinkering we like to see, you know. Uh, but uh, he kind of proved himself th- that tinkering the, 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 uh, through this season. There's other people that we don't know. <laughs> we 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 are we are pretty much on the you know, on the dark side of everything, you know? So it's going to be fun. It's going to be fun because there, there's going to be a lot of changes in the ADPs from now until we start drafting on February, March next year. So we're going to have a lot of things to talk about. 100%. Agreed. Cheesecake and Doc, I know you guys were looking a little bit from the hitting side and also kind of how much you're taking this data from. So Cheesecake... Let's go to you first. What are your thoughts for this 60-game sample size, how much we're going to use it, and also from a hitting perspective? I think that the most straightforward way to to take a 60-game sample size is to just treat it as what it is, as a small sample size. And, you know, we as fantasy baseball, it's kind of like more art than science. So we all do our research and come to our conclusions and then work backward from our conclusions and see if we could find a way to justify the way we feel about a player. Um, and so I think that, you know, you take this small sample size and you say, boy, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm high on this guy. I'm low on that guy. Now let me see if my gut feeling I can be backed up by the numbers. So I'm taking it 
as a small sample size that either shows a good trend or shows a bad trend. But I am weighing it against 2019 and especially, um, you know, where the market was again for these people three months ago in July, because we forget it was just three, four months ago that we were drafting these guys. And so like, I, I feel like if a guy, we, we look at him and say, wow, he stunk this year. I'm going to bump him up a little if we were drafting him based upon 2019 and 2018 data. I might, I'm not going to have him as high as he was then if we stunk and wasn't that good in 2020, but I'm going to bump him up because he's shown the skill uh, over a full season. And that's, I mean, that, that's just a general overview is, is like, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to try and uh, figure out the guys who I want, who I like and who, who I, I feel are justified and I'm going to go after my guys and really that that's that's my approach going to be my approach this offseason that you're you have your guys in mind and you're going to take the data into account but at the end of the day if you have trust in that guy that you're not going to let whether it be a good or bad trend sway you from who you want to get i'm not going to let adp sway me i is what i'm saying adp in is like like carlos said adp is going to go haywire and uh, you're going to do all the studying and you're in you know you're going to be as sure as you are today, probably after analyzing 2020 numbers, because it's such a small sample size. You can read it any way you want. So you got to go with your gut on these things. That's, 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 that's kind of my overall approach to taking 2020 is like, is like, look at the numbers, but at the same time, remember, this is a feel thing. This is an art form. You got to go with your gut at the end. Is cheesecake's gut made of cream cheese? <laughs> I was just trying to picture that. <laughs> oh man! Now, now, how can I take that out of my head, man? <laughs> Doc, come and save us. What are your thoughts for this? So it's funny because I literally had trends written down as well, and I'm going to take it one step further because I think 60 games, even though it's you know one a little more than a third of a season. I think that you can still analyze some trends. So like, for example, Charlie Blackman hit 400 for the first 28 games or over 400. Luke Voigt, even though he had 22 homers for the season, he had 21 homers in a span of 51 games. Christian Yelich hit 205 for the season and his highest batting average was 218. Corey Seager had eight home runs in 18 postseason games and hit 307 for the regular season. With these trends, you can see which players might get really hot or really cold. Christian Yelich was a top three pick consensus, except for our points league where he fell to seven. But we didn't see this coming from him. And now we know over a long period of time, it's not like over a week or two, he's, he was hitting 205. It was for more than a third of the season. Mm-hmm. And that might make you revisit a top pick because I think people like Mike Trout and Mookie Betts, They've never had slumps this bad for an extended period of time. Um, You know, someone like Kyle Tucker, I've been very low on him, and he showed the Roto breakout potential. Nine homers, 42 RBIs, eight stolen bases, 268 batting average, 323 on base percentage. And I'm looking at these trends so that if I don't get these players, they're either buy low or sell high for me. So for Luke Voigt, I know that he has 40 home run potential now. If I'm lacking in the home run department, somebody's frustrated, or maybe they have a plethora of first basemen, he's somebody I might target because now I know that he can get this hot over a sample. 
Right. And uh, you actually brought up Christian Yelich. I think it's kind of interesting because Christian Yelich, I think, had the highest strikeout rate of his career this year and arguably one of the worst lineups in baseball around him. And he still hit the ball extremely hard. I, I don't have it in front of me, but I believe it might have even been the hardest of his career. And uh, someone like Christian Yelich, who in the two early mocks, I believe is pretty going after 10 now. I think he's going anywhere from like 10 to 15 on the average ADP. I'll have to pull that up while we're talking. But someone like Christian Yelich, where you look at the team around him and that maybe that they're not giving him as many pitches to hit because he has no protection. Carlos, is that something that you're taking into account going into next year? Uh, Yelich is 10.9 ADP right from the two early marks. Two early marks. So, okay, perfect. Yeah, 10.9. So uh, there's something interesting by, about Yelich now that you mentioned him. He, I think something like his first six games were so bad that he lost, I don't know, like 100 points from his OPS for the rest of the season, something like that. So that's wow. something – yeah, it was it was terrible. I, I, this is something I'm reciting from the top of my head, but – we can check it that out later. So, but uh, going back to Doc's uh, point, he was bad for a long time too. So, so I mean, it, 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 it's it's kind of tricky. I myself, I wouldn't I wouldn't take him uh, on higher than what it's currently his his ADP. To be honest, I'm all about Soto next year. By the way, oh yes, Juan Soto. I mean. We don't know what he's going to be able to do in the full season, to be honest. And 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 uh, it, whenever I I I will have the chance to draft, I, I will try to to target him. Well, I would need to have a top three to top four pick to to get him, mm-hmm. to be honest, because I don't think he's going to be anything you know lower than fifth. I, I don't think so mm-hmm. for for next year. But yeah. uh, going back to the Jellic point, it's really hard, you know, because and and that's why I I, I will rely to the to to the experts on hitting, to be honest, because I find hitting to to be harder to project than pitching, <laughs> and and uh, I think it's like hitting is more streaky, you know, it, it, it depends a lot more on, on streaks to and they then they balance out. And uh, with pitching, you kind of get the feeling of how the things are going to keep going from certain point of the season. The problem right. is we didn't have that that amount of time this year to to get those stabilization periods. So I I I, I would still not get yeah like, yeah before ten. I, I don't think so. I mean, can we just say his highest batting average was two eighteen over sixty games? It's not even like he started the season like two for eight and three for 12 and was hitting 250. Yeah. He was hitting under 150 for like the first 15 games. Yeah. But when you do look at his stack cast page, I mean, like I mostly need sunglasses for it because it's so bright and red. <laughs> yeah. I mean, besides take out his K percentage and his whiff percentage. And he, basically, yes, like he struck out an insane high rate uh, for him. But if you look at his exit velocities, hard hit percentage, his ex woba barrel percentages, I mean, they were all really high up there. Yeah, um, right and I mean, just look across the board. I mean, he actually had again, he did have the hardest, the highest hard hit percentage of his career. Uh, also had the highest walk rate of his career. His exit velocity was the highest of his career. Um, I, I do think that there is a chance that he could have. Uh, I mean, and, and looking at his his XBAs. Against fastballs, his batting average was 239, XBA of 276. 
breaking yeah. with 191 with XBA of 221. Uh, and it goes on and on. I think over the course of a full season, I think he would have eventually leveled out into what we expect from him. Maybe he wouldn't have finished as the top three, four pick that he was supposed to be drafted for, mm-hmm. but yeah. I could have seen him finishing in the top 10 to 12 hitters. And um, I, I think he's somebody that if you're comfortable, I mean, he's again, his ADP is going to be in the double digits now that if you have in a, you know, a 12 team or 15 team league, if you take him and then on the way back, uh, you want to double down and get some really good hitting. You get like a Freddie Freeman, a Bryce Harper. Um, that could be a really good start to your draft. So I I definitely am not in on Christian Yelich as a top five player. But again, around ADP of 10, I think that is a, a fair spot for him and could be very good value. And um, also on the point of Juan Soto, I know Cheesecake and I actually have him as the number one player on our ranks too. So yeah, I think you're right thinking the same way with you, Carlos. He's got oh, all the five tools there. That's right. Oh. That's fine. I will take Mookie at one all day, every day. <laughs> the man of the hour. That's right. Um, let's move, though, to next topic here. And rule changes and impact. So we're talking about universal DHs, second base and extras, all that good stuff that kind of got implemented this year, the three batter minimum rule, and how that's going to affect values going forward. And now it's already been said there's most likely going to be no DH in the National League. So that's going to impact obviously someone like Dom Smith comes to mind of someone who really benefited from the universal DH in the national league. So cheesecake, I'll start with you for this one. Who are you looking at these rule changes? If, if they shift back, if they stay the same, are there players that you looking at to benefit? What are your thoughts going forward with this? Well, I, I wanted to start off by saying that the universal DH did not lead to a boom in offense in the major leagues. <clears throat> Run scoring was down from 2019 by almost 0.2 runs a game. Home runs were down. Uh, walks were up. Ks were down. Uh, the, 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 uh, the interesting thing about the universal DH is that, is that it did not lead to a, a boom in offense. Uh, in a lot of ways, uh, teams like the NL Central, the offenses were still overmatched by the pitching, even with the DHs. Um, I'm a little bit, honestly, coming from prior to this season, I was a real baseball purist about the pitchers hitting, but I'm feeling right now like I I wish that they would keep the DH because I I do think that it's nice to have, like someone like Dominic Smith, like you mentioned him, he did get a little bit of a bump, but he still played like 41 out of 50 games that he played on the field at first base or or outfield. but there were a lot of NL players who who really saw a boost in value uh, from the DH, um, and you know it, it was nice to have to, to have that that extra extra ABs for a guy you could pick up, and and also to be able to rest a guy at DH every now and then. Uh, I I I'm really I really have a hard time saying who I think is going to benefit or, or or be hurt. Um, the most because there's going to be a lot of player movement this offseason and uh, a lot of guys, you know, are going to be in new homes. Um, and but uh, you know, so so really the hot stove is going to be a really interesting this year, seeing that, uh, you know, people are going to be looking to get in on a lot of this veteran hitting that's going in the free agent market. And uh, so that that'll actually help inform that question a little bit better. But I, I did think it was really interesting that that uh, scoring actually went down with Universal DH this year. That is very interesting. Uh, I didn't actually know that, so that's that's actually a very interesting thought there. Doc, what are you thinking? 
Yeah, I like it as well, and I hope they keep it. Um, I think it's going to be an even playing field for the pitchers. So when you're comparing pitchers from the National League and the American League, they're both going to have to face nine batters rather than having a mulligan facing pitcher. It is interesting that the game for lower scoring, I'd be interested to see over a full season if that's the case, just like we talk about with some of the players yeah. in our sample size. I'd be willing to bet that it's going to be higher. I think it's also going to extend players' careers. Think about someone like Nelson Cruz that has been predominantly in the AL because he hasn't been a fielder in that long and is only DH. Players off the top of my mind that I think it could benefit, someone like Will Myers, who's in a crowded San Diego Padres offense. Mm-hmm. Dom Smith, as you mentioned. The Reds, they have a very crowded outfield. And I'm even thinking about someone like Albert Pujols. You know, he's in his last year with the Angels, and if he intends to play after that, Who's to say that the Cardinals might not want to bring him back as a DH kind of for that nostalgia, um, you know, bring some fans back. So I think it's going to extend some players careers who were only banking on, you know, 15 AL teams, giving them a chance if there's a universal DH. Mm-hmm. Interesting thought. Carlos, what are you thinking? Uh, when I think of this, the first name that, name that comes to my mind is Marcelo Zuna. Mm-hmm. Because I don't want to see him filled in, you know? <laughs> so, so Martinez, uh, yeah, kind of. So, uh, I think he got a, a very good uh, position this year because he couldn't, he didn't have to field as much. You know, he played um, every game on the edge. I think I had it somewhere around, yeah, all the sixty games in the DH, and we know the phenomenal season he had. You know, so um, I think. Uh, yeah, it, it's a shame that we are not going to have the DH for the National League. I don't want to see pitchers hitting, to be mm-hmm. honest. Uh, mm-hmm. I, 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 I kind of hate that because, I mean, it's, it's you know, traditionalists, they say that that's part of, they, they, it's part of the strategy to, you know, the manager has to do, do these double switches or the, it's a way to bring back the bunt, which I don't understand why anyone would want, would, would want that. But um, uh, I think, yeah, it's it's a shame they're going to take it off. I, I I would love to see the DH, uh, the universal DH for everybody, especially for Marcel. I think he he would be the guy which who who would get the most benefit out of it. Yeah, he's free. another guy who's a free agent, one of the free agents, and oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, maybe with the fact that he's not going to be able to have the DH, it might be less likely that Atlanta re-signs him. Who knows? Yeah. I mean, I mean with, that, with that bat, uh, he can land anywhere, but it it takes out some options in terms of flexibility. You know, you have to put some guy that clearly cannot feel that well. And and I mean, look at the race; their defense brought them really, really far away among other things. You know, so that counts. I mean, mm-hmm. if you look at it, I mean, pitchers bunting, potentially breaking their fingers on a hundred mile an hour oh. fastball coming at them if they run and. and you know, pull a hammy going to first base and they go on the 15. I know it's now it's back to 15 day IL. Mm-hmm. I mean, um, it's stuff that could be prevented. I think baseball wants its yeah. best product out there and its yeah. best product is having an extra hitter at the DH and your best pitchers just going and doing what people want to go see them do. The occasional pitcher that can hit, you can always put them in as a, uh, a game. They don't pitch as a pinch hitter. If they really want to hit, you know? So yeah. I, I think we all are on the same page with that. So, um, we're going to see what, again, how that affects some guys' value. Like again, Ozuna maybe only signs in the American league. If he realizes, Hey, I'm my best when I'm at DH and yeah. that might be something I'm looking at. So 
Uh, nice thoughts on that one. Let's move to the next topic here, and that's going to be the division and schedule format that we face this season. And obviously people are playing in the either the East, the Central, the West, so they played only a certain group of teams. They didn't get to play almost everybody like they normally would in a season. So, Doc, obviously next season, as far as we know, it's going to be a normal schedule again. I'm curious to see, do you think players' values are going to be affected? Do you think that, uh, are you weighing in that at all when you evaluate players? How are you looking at this? Yeah, so it's funny because you talked about this with Shane Bieber earlier, and I didn't want to throw in this stat because I wanted to use it. But five out of his 12 starts were against the Tigers, the Royals, and the Pirates. So almost half of his starts came up um, against teams with a bottom five offense. Then you see what he happens when he plays the Yankees. Seven earned runs. Is that going to happen every time? Probably not, but you're going to be you're going to face more teams. So I, I think for certain pitchers like that, I'm going to ding them a little bit. Someone like Herman Marquez is going to pitch more home games, and he's already stressful enough as it is. But I think this season enhanced hitter value because you play every day. So you start to get in a groove, hopefully you get a streak up. But there's also less travel. If you're staying within the, the region or, or smaller geographical area, it's going to be less impact on your body. So I think actually the hitters had an advantage. And they get to face a pitcher more often. So I know when we had Alex Fast on, we were talking about Aaron Savale, how his second, third time through the lineup, his batting average against was so much higher because these people are seeing him again. And then when you face the White Sox two or three times in a season – they're able to use some of that data and say, okay, well, we know that he throws a cutter, you know, and two strike counts. So I think that this season was really beneficial more towards the hitters than the pitchers besides the Shane Bieber's and the Jose Barrios. But um, I think it's going to kind of uh, even out more in an entire season. And when you're saying ding Shane Bieber, you just mean put him third with Cole and DeGrom. You're not digging yeah. him like further than that. No, but I also don't think that you can expect him to put up ace numbers every outing. I don't think he's he's that shoe-in, shoe-out, six, seven innings, one-earned, double-digit strikeouts every type of game. I think I feel like Carlos is – I could just see him just wanting to, to jump in on that. Go ahead. <laughs> I mean, th- this is something really interesting. The schedule, I, I think we are not, not still grasping how did it affect uh, uh, the performances, you know? Uh, for example, let, let's pick a guy that was barely noticed, like Danny Duffy. Mm-hmm. Danny Duffy pl- plays with the Royals, and uh, who cares about the Royals these days, you know? But Danny Duffy was not as bad as you might think, but he had to face Chicago White Sox and the Twins almost 50% of the times he went, uh, uh, to, uh, he was going to start. And almost Every or all the, 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 you know, the damage he got was from those five starts. So how would a more normal schedule would have, would have been for him this year, you know? So, mm-hmm. and, 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 and that's pretty interesting to me. On the other side, you, you can see, you, you can find Kevin Gossman. Kevin Gossman was phenomenal in, in, in a lot of ways. And if, when you go to his schedule and you see that he faced the Dodgers, uh, one, two, I mean, like 40% of the times he went out. So, I mean, that put in, puts in perspective how well did he do this this year, even if he, he, he didn't have the best numbers, you know? Uh, so 
it's definitely affected and this is something we have to take really into account in this year and and in and talking about Shane Bieber uh, uh, I'm I have been like fifth in my starting okay. pick. Wow. Yeah. spicy yeah yeah Carlos, the hot takes I love it <laughs> no no I mean I, I mean I, I think uh, what what Doug was saying was really interesting he he got you know I'm not gonna say soft teams against him but it was not like the biggest op opposition he could find you know and I think Darvish Cole DeGrom they are all ahead of him in, in terms of what they can achieve next year I like it all right yeah. and uh, cheesecake what about you what do you think well I did um, because I, I I get into math nerd holes I did a um, I did an analysis of, of the division statistics and I did just in the roto categories I did what's called a, a standard deviation analysis Ooh. basically did you just say standard deviation hold on I need to uh, to collect myself yeah standard deviation um, basically I you you figure out what the average is let's say in home runs the um, the average home runs per uh, per team let me get my get my spreadsheet pulled up google docs is moving slowly oh my God. Jeez, uh, listen, listeners you learned that art is a nerd <laughs> the average home runs per team were 77 this year and so like you you just figure out how how that team is in relation to the average it's it's, it's called standard deviation you and uh, and one what the square root of that number is that's one standard deviation so the NL Central as My a whole, hurts. and and sorry, all right, the NL <laughs> Central kidding. as a whole was forty standard deviations worse than the rest of baseball. Uh, the five teams adding up their standard deviation, they didn't have one team that was in the top twenty uh, of of hitting in baseball. Uh, now, if you go to let me get back to my spreadsheet. Now the strongest division was the NL West, but that was based most, mostly on the Dodgers and Padres. Yes. Uh, the, other, the other three teams were, were, were fairly average. But uh, the NL East and the AL East were both really strong. So like, I'm looking at guys who, who were really strong in the NL and AL East who pitched well this year. They're going to be bumped up a little bit because of them. Guys who pitched really well in the NL Central – I'm going to I'm going to be a little bit more wary with them now that I see that they they did not face any top twenty offenses this whole season. Another thing that was really interesting this year uh, is is pitcher injuries were way up mm -hmm. um, while pitch innings pitched per game went down. Now I I looked at innings pitched per game because I wanted to see if the second baseman in extra innings was going to lower the amount of total innings mm -hmm. pitched. Per team, and I'm not going to chalk it up to that. But on the whole, this season, uh, innings pitched per game was down um, 0.3 innings pitched per game, which over the course of a season is 50, 53 innings over 162 uh, games. So, uh, if it's related to that runner starting on second base, that really over the course of a season saves every team about one relief pitcher worth of innings. So I, I thought, you know, like I said, you can look at all this and it's just like you said, your eyes glaze over like David's are glazing over right now as I'm talking. <laughs> but you can also look at it and say, 
wow, okay, there's something here. There's something here. The divisions, like I, I don't, I, I'm not going to sit here and say that the NL Central was actually good, but we might, we over the course of 162, they were running so poorly that they would have come up and the pitching would have come down. Because you look at the top pitching teams, like almost all NL Central teams are are in the top, except for Pittsburgh, are in the top like 15 pitching teams, you know. So it's like you you would have seen like a little bit of a evening out over 162. Yeah. So, um, so the divisions were 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 like playing different different leagues, like playing in different leagues uh, almost, uh, with with teams like like the NL East being just strong from top to bottom, the NL West being murderers at the top and then peasants in the at the bottom and the NL Central being nothing but peasants. Uh, so it was it, it was interesting to analyze how that that affected um, because you know I, I'm gonna stop soon because I've been talking too long but uh, but I, I think that uh, that that as the divisions open up you start you'll start to see well maybe the NL Central's pitching actually it was really really good last year or maybe the hitting really was really really bad last bad. year you know it's, it's and that's going to be hard to figure out that's part of the noise I'm going to um, assign Doc to do a book report on that whole speech <laughs> due by the next show and has to present it. Bro, you're a teacher. I forgot that. <laughs> yeah, so I'm a, I signed I'm, it I'm a teacher too. Oh, you are. Right. Yeah. What, you're a better uh, teacher I'm, than David. I don't know. I don't uh, know. He is probably, but. I, I don't uh, think so. What, uh, what subject do you teach? <laughs> um, coding. You know? Oh, okay. That's actually, that, that is you're definitely cooler than me, man. I, yeah, you, you, David perked up. David was like, "Oh, no, that's a cool thing." I would. I that was the only class I ever failed in high school was coding, and uh, I, if I took it back now, I would actually be interested. Then I didn't like care about it too much, but I think it's a useful thing to know. So that's actually really definitely. cool. Yeah, um, well, I, I'm I'm not the popular guys. Usually, the physical education guys are the popular guys. So, uh, you know, uh, you, you, I do you teach. Win- yeah, I know. So you win some, you lose some. You know, <laughs> yeah. don't, David and David and Cool don't go in the same sentence together. Thanks, Doc. Uh, let's move to our last one here, and let's talk about the playoff structure. And this is just not necessarily have to do data or anything. Just what your thoughts are on everything. I'm just going to say, for me personally, I loved it. I thought it's something that they should be doing going forward. Carlos, what do you think? Yeah, totally, totally. More baseball, more fun. I mean, uh, the extended playoffs are. I think that they, they should be here to stay, to be honest. And, and um, I mean, I, I understand that in a normal situation, it could be too, too far into, you know, the October, and that's not the, the greatest time of the year to play baseball. But uh, um, they could figure out a way to have this, these extended playoffs. I, I don't know if they are doing it that next year, and I'm not, I'm not sure about it. If there are any news about it already? I haven't heard anything yet. I'm no. just, I'm thinking that if they do do it, they're going to have to uh, cut some games off the schedule, mm-hmm. and I would be okay with that personally. Like if they went from 162 yeah. to like 158 or whatever it was going to yeah, be. Yeah, but, but I don't think that's going to happen. <laughs> you know, with the, with the, the union and the, it, it's going to be tough to, to cut them. I, I bet, but it depends on the revenues, and I think on extended playoffs, it would be more money for the team. So, mm-hmm. you, 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 I, I mean, agreed. 
Yeah, I mean, uh, I'll be interested to see if they when they come out with with news about that because I'm sure everybody's wondering. Uh, I I know it got recepted well. I mean, you had eight playoff games in the same day. I mean, that's yeah. that's that's what baseball is about. That's everybody's dream. You're like, I want to just watch baseball playoffs all day, not just watch sure. two games at night. Um, sure. Cheesecake, what do you think? I'm just gonna echo what you guys are saying. You know, it reminds me of the basketball and the hockey playoffs, where you know 16 teams make it and there's a proper tournament at the end of it. And they, you know, it, it's just, it was really cool to see how many teams made it and the possibility of a, of an eight seed, you know, in baseball, I feel like upsets are more likely than they are in a sport like basketball. Um, So it would be really cool to, to see an eight seed running all the way to a world series title. I think that sort of dynamic would really make it more interesting, especially for smaller market teams. You got teams like Pittsburgh. You got teams like, like um, you know, uh, um, Seattle and and all these teams that are trying. And Oakland being another one that's trying to make their mm-hmm. way with with a smaller payroll, uh, allowing more of them in and giving them a chance for some sort of uh, you know hot hot streak leading them to a championship it increases fan interest in the game i think i think it would be a really good thing for the for the sport i was afraid i was gonna have to start implementing a cheesecake clock and buzz it and i got 30 second clock <laughs> no i'm just messing with you cheesecake go ahead doc i love it too so i mean the more teams that are in the playoffs the more fan bases that are involved more money for the team bigger tv contracts the first couple of days were like March Madness for baseball. It was awesome. And as a sporting fan, like you really relish those days. Um, and the best teams made the World Series without a home field advantage. I mean, they played in a bubble and the number one seed in each uh, league got in. So it's not like, oh, well, this, this fluke thing happened. The best teams made it to the finals. And it's just crazy to think that, you know, five, six years ago, eight total teams were making it out of 30. And now they've doubled it, and this might be here to stay. And I think it gets more fan interest, so I hope they keep it. I'm already – I mean, baseball season just ended yesterday. and Talking about all this stuff going forward is already making me excited for next season. I think it's 110 days away from spring training already. So yeah. let's go. I'm here for this. I mean, this is awesome. This is it's going to be a fun off season to dive in and see what sticks, what doesn't stick, what's carrying over to next season. So um, – We'll see, but let's go from that talk. Great job, gentlemen. And we're going to go now to our question of the week. And our question of the week is sponsored by Manscaped. What does a guy call his best friends? His testies besties, of course. Halloween is right around the corner. You don't want to spook someone with your scary bush. Our friends at Manscaped want to help make your boys downstairs clean and best friends of their own. Manscaped is number one. Best Friends of Their Own Manscaped is number one in men's below-the-waist grooming and offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Roar! You might be Chewbacca, Bigfoot, or a hairy bear. Well, it's under the costume that really matters. Host, uh, don't be that hairy guy. Manscaped is uh, forever changing that grooming game of yours with that perfect package 3.0. Inside this perfect packaging, you'll find their electric trimmer called the Lawnmower 3.0. This waterproof and skin-safe trimmer will reduce your nicks to your pumpkins. I always want my pumpkins to be safe. 
And you can also create less mess by trimming in the shower using their Magic Mat disposable shaving mats. And that's right. I can listen to Carlos while I'm grooming in the shower. And of course, let's not forget about the Crop Preserver, an anti-chafing ball deodorant and moisturizer. You can also put deodorant on your armpits. You can put it on your balls. You can put it everywhere. And again, why would you not put this deodorant on all the smelliest parts of your body? If you want all this freshness, you also get the Crop Reviver Ball Toner Spray, also included in your package. If you would like all this, if I'm appealing to you, get 20% off plus free shipping with the code TRIPLEPLAY at manscaped.com. Again, that's TRIPLEPLAY at manscaped.com. Stay sexy this Halloween. Your balls will thank you. Quick note, 20% off is like a 200 batting average, which is around what Christian Yelich hit this year. Just one more jab. <laughs> wow. Spot way, to on. Tie that, way to tie that in, but not do your yeah. turn for the ad read. <laughs> so our question of the week, who is the player that isn't in the Hall of Fame, but deserves to be in the Hall of Fame the most? And Carlos, you're the guest, so we'll start with you. Oh, my. Can I do two really quick? Yeah, go ahead. Sure. Okay, because being Venezuelan, if I don't talk about Bobby Abreu, I'm going to get murdered. Uh, by the <laughs> so, yeah, I'm, I'm in. I, I know he's a borderline case, but uh, he he was he didn't have the benefit of of playing in this time and age of, you know, when we look at all the statistics and, and, and everything. And uh, he was an on-base machine machine you know he was an base percentage machine he, he he practically dominated that during a a time where there was barry bonds playing when there were all these phenomenal guys too mm-hmm. and and he barely he's barely making he, he barely made five percent on this this year in the last boat wow. so yeah i mean he's he got a he's got a tough case but he, for example, he did. I just got this. He's the only seventh player to hit 250 homers and steal 350 bases. The others, wow. the other guys are Barry Bonds, Ricky Henderson, Derek Jeter, Craig Biggio, Joe Morgan, and Bobby Bonds. I mean, that that's a good club good to looks. be in, you know. <laughs> so, it really is. Wow. The yeah. Yeah, so so I mean, this, this his first eight years with the Phillies was something really, really cool. He had a 141 OPS plus. Uh, he averaged almost six uh, on WAR. So I, I mean, he 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 had a really more than good career. Hall mm-hmm. of Famer worthy? It's debatable. I, I I agree, but he is he could be borderline. And the other guy, which I believe it's just, I mean, it's really an injustice not to be in the Hall of Fame is Dick Allen. Dick Allen was this guy, and I mean, he, from 1964 to 1974, he led all MLB in OPS with, with 165. Uh, he was ahead of guys like Aaron and, and things like that. So come on. I think it's pretty obvious that that Dick Allen belongs to the Hall of Fame. He was neglected because he was not, you know, the nicest guy with the press and the time and things like that. But uh, I think the the veterans committee and things like that should should look at his case because he has a big big case. Two great picks. I like that right off the jump. Um, I I remember just 
Bobby Abreu was one of the first guys I started watching when I got into baseball. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's shocking that he only got, you said 5% of the vote. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's interesting. He, he barely um, made it for the next ballot. So, Wow. Cheesecake, where are you going for this one? Well, I, uh, I, I have been for years against the, the guys who I look at and say, that person took steroids. There's no proof, but I think they took steroids. But they've started letting some of them in. I think if you look at a guy like Jeff Bagwell and Mike Piazza, you look at them and go, there's no way they didn't take steroids. If you look at Jeff Bagwell when he was a rookie and then when he was at his biggest, now when he's retired, you can see his chest got big, his head got big, and then it all shrunk back down when he retired. It's like, okay, Jeff Bagwell is clear because there was no proof. There was no big accusations. I think now we have to start looking at the guys who have been passed over and I'm going to throw one out there for one of the most hated, but uh, Roger Clemens to me is by far the best jet pitcher of the, of his generation and perhaps the best pitcher of the last 50 years. He's, uh, he's put together obviously hall of fame worthy staff stats, seven times Cy Young award winner. Uh, I think you could look at his career from before there would be any suspicion for his Hall of Fame, but for his for him using and just take that and, and consider him a Hall of Famer, because I think he had three or four of his Cy Young Awards uh, before he was even before he even left the Red Sox. So I think Clemens is is a is the, to me the number one guy who isn't in the Hall of Fame right now, who deserves to be based upon what he did. The guy is the best pitcher of the past 50 years. I think I think it it'd be hard to find an argument for someone other than him. Great picks again. Doc, who are you going with? So for me, I'm going a pitcher as well, but I'm going in the relief era or the relief end. Oh, and I know who you're going with. That's a hot take. I said you're my, going with a BW. Yeah, Billy Wagner. So in mm. his five years Good. that he was eligible – he had 10.5, 10.2, 11.1, 16.7, and 17% of votes, so not even close. He's six in saves in MLB history with 422. Only John Franco is above him who's not in the Hall of Fame, or, or pitchers above him not in the Hall of Fame. 14 out of his 15 complete seasons, he had an ERA below three. He's a seven-time All-Star and averaged 12 Ks per nine innings. The only reason I'm thinking that he didn't get in is he has a 10.03 ERA and 14 career appearances. But before yesterday, that was clear. Career playoff appearances? Sorry, was that playoff appearances? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Right. But before yesterday, that was the big mulligan on Clayton Kershaw. And I think everybody would agree that he, regardless of how he did in the playoffs, his regular season was so dominant and so impressive. He's a no, no-brainer Hall of Famer. So I think Billy Wagner should be in. I don't think closers get enough love. And – um and unfortunately, it won't. All great picks, and I'm. This is one of the first times I feel like mine doesn't get taken. Um, but I'm gonna go Gary Sheffield. Ooh. In 2,576 career games, he has 509 homers, 2,689 hits, and 1,676 RBIs. Hit 292. Um, if there's a place in Cooperstown for Larry Walker, who got his Hall of Fame ticket punched with uh, numbers that were a lot more inferior. Uh, I think it deserves a spot, and I know he was he came up in the Mitchell report, but uh, I don't think that that should be enough for him to not get in. 
I know in uh, in 2020, he got 30.5% of the vote, which was his sixth year on the ballot. And that was more than double the uh, the previous year. It was 136 in 2019. So um, I I don't associate his name with steroids as much as, as other names. And I think it's kind of shocking that he's not closer to getting in. But uh, Gary Sheffield, I feel like, is a player that deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. Absolutely. And just for this batting stance alone, just I loved how he waved it like that. Like I, I remember we were in the wiffle ball backyard, and that's how Eric and I would we would just like we would just do it like this. Just you're not a true baseball fan if you never imitated Gary Sheffield's batting stance. <laughs> that's very true. Well, in my time, it was it was Eric Davis, the the guy with the amazing stance and the quick hands. But I, I'm a lot older than you guys, so that's that joke. No, uh, Eric Davis, I know all about it. He used to hold it near his waist when he was when he would bat. Yeah, it was I'm gonna amazing. have to. I'm gonna have to Google Eric Davis and and look at his batting stance. Now you guys got me intrigued. <laughs> uh, but great job with that. Let's go now to our last segment of the week, and that's going to be our game of the week. It's time to do, 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 do. All right, our game of the week is being hosted by Little Cheesecake. So what are we what, playing? What? It's my week to do something. No, no, I can tell you're joking. <laughs> Don't do that to me. <laughs> <laughs> gentlemen, gentlemen, StatCast has been measuring home run distance since 2015 and has boomed in the fantasy baseball industry as a tool in use since then. Today, we worry only about the big flies in this game. Recently, an article used that data to point out the longest home runs per team, uh, but I want volume two. So I looked at the top 10 longest home runs since 2015 for all 30 teams. And I want to know which player had the most instances of long home runs in the top 10 per team. And I'm going to – well, how this game is going to work is I'm going to start – we're going to do it Price is Right style like we usually do. And I'm going to say a team, and you say who you think had the most long home runs out of the top 10 long home runs per team since 2015 i will try to remember to tell you if the guy's no longer with the team anymore okay all right okay okay all right but to do it let's do it that's right so so who had the most of the top 10 longest home runs for the toronto blue jays carlos david then then doc for the toronto blue jays 2015 since 2015, Jesus Christ. Uh, and how many are we doing just so we know ahead of time? We're going to do 10. Got and it. then uh, and then we'll we'll uh we'll see if we have any we need any tiebreakers. I have 30 to, to use, so. <laughs> 2015. Okay, I'll say Jesus, you got me there, man. Toronto. <laughs> I thought this was a good one. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, wow. What about? Oh, is Carlos going to take an L? Oh, this guy. <laughs> wait, uh, let me first say he's still with the team now. Okay. If that helps. Oh, that changes my guess, actually. He's, then he's still with the team. Changes mine, too. Okay. You're probably thinking of the same one, Eric. Probably were. Okay. Well, I'm thinking I'll let you guys start picking. So. <laughs> okay. David, do you want to go first? All right. So. This is just the longest home run. Yeah, yeah. M- the most 
out of the top 10 longest home runs, who has had the most of the top 10 longest home runs since 2015? I'll go Teoscar Hernandez. I'm going to go Justin Smoke. He's still with the team. Oh, he did? Yeah. Um, I was going to go Jose Bautista. Randall Gritchick. I think it should be Bautista, right? Well, he said he has to be with the team still. Oh. Yeah, he's still with the team. Sure, sure, sure. Oh, my God. He's not Bautista. You picked well, man. <laughs> um, you don't have to pick a different person. You can pick the same I, guy one of them picked. I'm going to go crazy. Ros- Russell Martin. It is Randall Gritschuk. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. No, I can't <laughs> wait. He has had three of the top ten longest home runs the Blue Jays have hit since 2015. That's the most for that team. Jeez. The second team we're going to start. We'll start with uh, we'll start with Carlos on this one since, okay. since okay. he didn't start. We'll start. Uh, so the Detroit Tigers. Okay. And you're, are you going to tell us if they're still with the team or not? He is still with the team. So, okay. Migi, David. Can't be that easy. I feel yeah. like that's a, it's a trick question, Me but too, I could but be overthinking I, I it. it. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm gonna go. So with the team, I had to play probably for multiple years. Actually, you know what's funny is I'm thinking of like their whole team and people that might have been there for a while. I'll stay Miggy as well. You know, I there's somebody I want to say just to try to get a 2-0 lead. I'm not going to say it. I'm going to do the safe answer and go with Miggy. But I feel like that it could be Jacoby Jones. It's Miggy. He's had six of the top ten longest home oh, There we go. <laughs> Simple is the best sometimes. Sometimes. Yeah. Uh, uh, Doc, you're starting this one. Texas Rangers. Is he still with the team? Still with the team. All of them, are they all still with the team? I'm sorry if I no. said that. Okay. No, they're not going to all still be with the team. Rugnet Odor. Oh, my. That's a great answer. Thank you, Carlos. Uh, Joe Gallo. Oh, That's another wow. great answer. That's a better answer. David? I'm just going to ride the Carlos train and go Joey Gallo as well. <laughs> It is Joey Gallo. He has had four yes. of the top ten longest home runs. As soon as as soon as he said Gallo, it's like, oh, that's Carlos with the assist. <laughs> I think we're all tied at two now. That's that's good. That's right. That's right. David he, should have one because he piggybacks. <laughs> fair not 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 fair. Uh, the. Uh, the Boston Red Sox. Who's who starts? Carlos, uh, yeah, David, David. The Boston Red Sox, and they're still with the team or not with the team? Not with the team anymore. Oh, um, ooh, Mookie. Okay, that was where my head first went, but I'm like running in my head of a couple guys that might. I mean, like JD Martinez is still on the team. And there's not been like, oh, wait a second. Art, can you tell us? Can you tell us if he's retired or if he's active? 
Well, I don't, I mean, I didn't think about that being one of the things I would tell you, I, but he's, he's retired. Oh, oh man. That does change. That changes a <laughs> that, lot, actually. Carla oh, should get a new, Carla should get a new guess with that information. Okay, go ahead. You can go ahead. I didn't know if that was part of the game or not. It wasn't going to be, but so, I feel like, I feel like it's a big, it's a big matzo ball out there. If I, no, I know now who it is now. I know it is now. Yeah. So, so when did the, Ortiz retired. Uh, <laughs> that's that's the easy answer. Now. Yeah, I, I mean it's it should be Poppy, right? Yeah, I think it's Poppy. Yeah. Uh, you guys are all wrong. Adrian Gonzalez. Oh, Hanley Ramirez. Hanley Ramirez. Oh, oh, I wouldn't have got that. Oh, yeah, no, I wouldn't have got that. That yeah. was a tricky one. I I know because he wasn't even with them that long. He had four of the top ten longest home runs for the Red Sox. Jesus. The, right, well, two out of four for all of us yeah. so far. The Seattle Mariners. Uh, David, you start not with the team anymore, still playing, though. I'm going Robinson Cano. Doc. That's a good one, David. It's hard because they haven't had a lot of big power hitters. Yeah. Um, I'm going Nelson Cruz. Oh, that's a good one, too. Yeah, I'm I'm going Cruz too. It's, it's got to be him. Cruz has hit seven of the top ten longest that mm, the Bears yeah. have had since 2015. Uh, Cruz is the man. He's yeah. such he a machine. That that reminds me, uh, the uh, the Minnesota Twins. We'll start with the Twins. And is it David going first? No, it's Eric. Eric? I just went first with uh. Oh no! I just went Robinson Cano. No, you're right. Um, is he still with the team? Yes. Miguel Sano. Hmm. Carlos. I think it should be Sano, but I, I, I oh my, he's still. I mean, watch if he knows back to back answers. <laughs> oh. Mm. No, I'm going to go with Sano, too. I mean, the guy just can hit hard that ball. <laughs> He's... David? Yeah, I, I feel those were the two that came in my head. I don't think it, it would be Kepler, Rosario, or Buck, definitely not Buxton. Yeah, I mean, when Sano hits them, he hits them long and hard. I, I'm going to just – I'll just go Sano as well. I think that's who it is. Miguel Sano has hit three out of the top ten longest. Second best, Nelson Cruz, actually. And if wow. it had been if it had been the top twelve, Cruz would have had four of the top twelve, which would have been beaten Sano. I think. I think, if I remember correctly. That's oh man, great. that's crazy. Um, that one was not my soundboard. <laughs> <laughs> the Cincinnati Reds. Who's who's starting? Carlos. Carlos is starting this one. Still with the team. Still with the team. Oh, man. I'm going to try to go. I'll, I'll do Botto, but I don't really think it's him, but it could be a wild card there. So I go, I'll go with Botto. David. I'm going Eugenio Suarez. Oh, my God. That's yeah, it. Yeah, that's, that's where I'm going. He had 48 homers last year. Or like yeah. 46. Oh, Eugenio yeah. Suarez. Yeah, had three out of the top ten longest home runs, and is the is the Reds' leader right now. Uh, Doc has 
five. five. Four each for Carlos and David. And the game now. End it. No chance. Okay, okay. There's a still chance. Okay, come on. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, Who starts now? David. David, the Chicago Cubs, still with the team. Ooh, there's actually a couple different directions we could go here. I don't, when Chris Bryant hit him, he doesn't hit him like hard and far. He was like hitting him, but, and I don't get that from, I'm going to go Javi Baez. So I'm torn between Javi Baez and Kyle Schwarber. Um, Cause I could honestly see it being both of them. I wish I had said Kyle Schwarber. I didn't even think about that. Um, yeah, I'm going Kyle Schwarber. Me too, by the way. <laughs> oh, dang it. Yeah. Kyle yeah. Schwarber has hit four of the ten longest home I runs. I knew it after Eric said it. I knew it. Yeah. Oh, I didn't even think about him. Guy, guy is uh, a beast. You know? Gosh, I'm good at this game. Eric, well, let's see how good you are. <laughs> Dodgers, still with the team. Eric's gonna ah, joke. Uh, I mean, I, no, I have, a, I have a two one or I have a two <laughs> two question lead on you. So Dodgers, it's hard because they always rotate players in and out. Um, and this is since 2015. Hmm. You're stalling. I'm thinking of, I'm thinking of two people. <laughs> um. Bruh. <laughs> I was, I, I'm really st- I'm be blown if it's the other person. I'm gonna go the ginger who tested positive for COVID and still went on the field. Justin Turner. Uh, <laughs> uh I think it's Jack Peterson. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah, it's definitely not hey. Justin Turner. David. Yeah, I would. My, I would say it's probably uh, Jack Peterson as well. Jock Peterson. I thought that was going to stump you guys. Four out of the ten longest home runs, Jock Peterson. There so we go. Let's do it. We have a 6-6 six, six at the top with five from David. We are on the tenth one, so we should see. We could have a three-way tie, and uh, I have a good a good tiebreaker question. Okay. Um, and uh, so let's, let's, let's move on. The uh, – the 10th, Carlos, I think you're starting here, and we're going to go in your backyard, the Oakland A's. Oh, my God. Don't There's no not, not too much power there, but it should be. Yeah. Are they still with the team? Ah, still yeah. With the team. Still uh, with Olsen? the team, yeah. Ol- Olsen. It has to be either Olsen or Chapman, and the only way I can win is if I pick something different <laughs> or I can tie, so I'll go Chapman. Uh, I'm going Matt Olsen. Uh, K-Riss Davis. Oh, is- no! Oh, yeah. wow. Yeah. Oh, I had a chance. I had a wow. chance. Wow. I didn't even think about him. That was good. Mr. Okay. 247. So, so oh. Carlos and Doc, you guys, the first person to tell me the only player to be the leader in long home runs for two teams uh, so I guess wow. we'll switch off guesses. Can you uh, tell us, like, give us a hint of the teams he played for, or is he still no. active? <laughs> still active. Still, still on active. one of the teams. 
Throw so wait, if, if we if we guess and get it wrong, can we guess again, or do we have to wait for the other person? <laughs> you gotta wait. Okay, then I won't say the first name that tops in my head. Okay. Ooh. Home runs for two separate Cruz. teams, and so uh, Nelson Cruz. No. Oh my. Um. <laughs> Good thing that we'll be able to cut out some extra. (laughs) No, it won't be a problem. It won't be a problem. Christian Yelich. Nope. Uh. (laughs) (laughs) Only for me, huh? Yeah. I'm the guest, man. You, know? you better believe if Carlos wins, I have like wait, three buttons so, ready. So, so we do. We have. Do we get a hint since we both got it wrong? Yeah, <laughs> both teams are in the National League. Oh my! Um, for both, for two teams, longest homers. Jesus Christ! Uh, not Christian Yelich. I'm blank. To be honest. Uh, yeah, this is tough. Still so, tough. I think we should let, we should open. Just shout out if you have a guest now at this point. Okay. Just fire him out. Bryce Harper. Game. That's right. Oh uh, yeah. Game. Are you Game. serious? Yeah. I knew it as soon as I said it. Oh yeah, David, give me my FaceTime, baby. Say fifteen <laughs> seconds of FaceTime. Come on, come on, come on. <laughs> Come on, come on. <laughs> Was that you that didn't even make it to the finals? Go ahead and take your 15 seconds of FaceTime. Well, another win in the books. I think this is <laughs> now. I mean, you know, we're just starting to ask David at this point. Look at his face. Everybody, thank you for listening to our shows. Um, it means a lot, especially the ones that have listened to basketball as well. I do a better job hosting that than David. And um, David sucks. <laughs> I like the first part of your speech. I shouldn't have put a button for that. Uh, we do appreciate everybody listening. Carlos, I want to you know, just thank you for coming on the show today. It was a, a pleasure having you. So thanks for coming and joining us tonight. No, I mean, uh, the pleasure was mine, guys. I, I, I had a lot of fun. It's awesome to just talk baseball and have fun. Um, I'm, I'm in. It, you guys are rocking, and I'm just glad to be part of this, you know. And, and, and I'm grateful of you guys putting with my, my English. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm just a Venezuelan guy living in Costa Rica trying to follow up baseball. No, you do. You, Baseball is all in our DNA. We all bleed the same color. So love talking <laughs> baseball with people that are passionate. And Carlos, cool. before everything, do you want to plug anything you're working on, um, anything you're doing on Twitter, or any of the uh, um, things you're associated with? Sure. I'm, I'm, I'm putting some stuff with uh, Ray at Prospects 365 and the awesome guys at Six Man Rotation, Connor Kirk and Jason Golden, which are really cool, cool people. And um, – I don't know, just my Twitter handle at CA Marcano, which uh, I'm usually putting some ramblings and trying some nonsense, but you might find it useful, you know. Puts out great stuff. 
And I was going to actually plug your Twitter too. So I'm glad I wasn't going to say is it Ka Marcano, but I'm glad C.A. Marcano cleared that up for me. Uh, make sure you're following him if you're trying to be a better fantasy baseball player. Puts out great information, a very nice interactive guy. If you can't already just tell from him being on the pod, great guy. So if you want a good follow, make sure you follow him. And until next time, guys, hope you enjoyed the World Series. We will be back with some fresh stuff next week. And until then, stay safe. We'll see you all then. This man has a definition. What are you doing? I don't have no idea what just happened. Your soundboard is messing with our recording, David. (laughs) David, you're just getting too fancy, man.